Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I'm your host, Scott, and I'm happy to welcome back to the show two of our favorite returning champions, both from the Butter and Bacon, the Good Stuff of Disney podcast. The first one, in no particular order, is Nick. Nick, welcome back to the show. How are you tonight? Doing great, Scott. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you. Good to be with you this evening. And next up, we have Dean. Dean, how are you? I'm doing great, and you did that in the right order, Scott. You always go with the goat first. <laughs> always go with the goat first. So speaking of that, as we uh, get ready for the NFL playoffs this weekend, I don't know when our listeners are going to be listening to this podcast, but is the goat Tom Brady going to win another Super Bowl, this time his second with Tampa Bay Buccaneers? What is your prediction? Nick? I, I pray to all that's holy that he doesn't. <laughs> I, uh, I think you will find a quarterback maybe more unlikable in the Super Bowl from the NFC, and uh, I'm expecting the Packers to come out of the NFC. <laughs> well, it's interesting because to me, the big storyline, there's a few good storylines going into the postseason, one of which is Will Brady face his old team in the Super Bowl. That would be a fascinating game just to watch on that storyline alone. It could happen. My uh, my two co-hosts on Butter and Bacon are Bills fans, and yes. so there's and I'm a Jets fan. So there's nobody on our show that wants to see Tom Brady play after this weekend. <laughs> whoever, and if that game or happened, Bill Belichick, yeah, <laughs> if that game happens, it's whoever wins, we all lose. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. Um, it's it's going to be a good postseason. I always get a kick out of uh, opening weekend of the NFL playoffs. I enjoy watching the games, and it makes me think about the fact that baseball. Is not too far away, but then I remind myself, oh, wait, there's a lockout. So who knows what's going to be this season? Is there going to be spring training? Is there going to be a regular season? You just don't know, which is very frustrating. Don't, don't start those rumors, but it is a little scary that we're at January 12th and there's literally no news about baseball. I mean, I'm getting excited about like Yankee minor league signings. Sure. <laughs> that's, that's all that's all in the news right now. Now. Tonight is just going to be sort of a stuff we love miscellaneous show. I don't even know where the show is going, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, stuff will come to mind and uh, we'll just talk and, and, and see how this podcast goes. So uh, first off, uh, let me ask you guys, how is your year going so far? 2022. We're now 12 days into it or so. How's it going so far? Listen, these are the 12 best days of 2022 so far. Yeah, There's no Pretty question. <laughs> Do you have Disney trips booked in 2022? Oh, Nick, you got anything planned? Um, possibly a Disney cruise, but I don't have any trips to Disney parks. Planned. Mm -hmm. Dean, how about you? You know, the, the key word there you said was planned because we're just in such a state right now that that's all I can do is plan. I, I can't even say I'm going or not going. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, we are planning a trip for the end of June. Right. Which uh, we're, we're pretty excited about because my wife took on a new career last year. And prior to that, she was always a slave to the school schedule. Mm -hmm. And there were years because of snow days and things like that, that her year of school wouldn't end until early July. And so now we know when my son gets out, boom, we can go on vacation if we want. So, right. Um, I'm, I'm letting us be at the mercy of Little League Baseballs, which is why we're waiting till the end of June. Uh, but we're really excited about it. It's uh, Flower and Garden's running that long this year, so we're going to get to see the tail end of Flower and Garden, but we're hightailing out of there before the 4th of July holiday. Mm -hmm. 
Dean, in, in your experience as a travel agent, are the crowds at Disney World in July notably higher than in August? No. Uh, uh, yes. Sorry. Yes. August is a lighter month. Mm -hmm. The biggest factor you have, well, there's two factors. One, the first half of July that includes the fourth, you get a lot of vacations around that time. So the fourth of July is maybe the second busiest day or period of the year behind Christmas. Uh, but as July marches on, it gets lighter and lighter. When you get into August, the second biggest factor is the schools in Florida go back earlier than the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And so you got kids back in school, you know, somewhere that first half of August. So by middle, late August, the crowds really dwindle. Now, that is sort of the uh, um, sentiment that held and was probably a little bit more dramatic 5, 10, 15 years ago. It still holds today, but maybe not as much as it used to. I was having a conversation earlier today with my brother, and we were talking about what time of the year at Walt Disney World is the quietest, because we were talking about the fact that it was marathon weekend last weekend. Crowds were a bit heavier than normal. Now it's kind of back into somewhat quiet mode. And I was thinking once March comes and spring break begins at schools around the country, is there really ever a quiet time in the year other than maybe mid to late August, early September? I'd say second half of January in the beginning of February, mm -hmm. parts of May, <laughs> it gets spotty now, parts of May, the, the back three weeks of August and potentially early November. Okay. Pre-Thanksgiving. We Pre -Thanksgiving. used to go in September, end of September, and that's gotten really crowded. September's picked up. Yeah, so September would have normally been on that list. So would it, early December, uh, both of those have seen pretty dramatic growth. And, uh, and people going. So they're not quite as, you know, on the old crowd calendars, those would have been like ones and twos. And, and they've kind of pulled into almost average crowds now. Do you think that's because people are going for Halloween more than ever before? Because growing up, I would go on, let's say, a summer family vacation. I was too young to know, but maybe people weren't going for Halloween events like they're doing now. Is, it, is that one of the reasons? It's, it's got to be one of the draws. I mean, the one thing you know is if Disney put in something new, like a new race special event, it's because that was a light time of year. Uh, and so that draws crowds, right? So that, that, mm -hmm. that's the whole goal. Of the, we all like to think they're uh, altruistic and just want to give us more entertainment. It has a lot more to do with trying to draw people to the place. So uh, I think that's done a good job. You know, Marathon Weekend, Princess Weekend in February, the Wine and Dine Race that, that's usually in early November. Those are all historically lighter times, and they've all filled up really nicely. Right. Earlier today, Dean, you texted Nick and I the schedule for the concert series at Flower and Garden Festival. I and did. I wanted to ask you guys, have either of you ever seen a concert at Epcot? Yes. No. Now you're going to ask me who and I don't remember. Well, that's, that's helpful. <laughs> we were there for food and wine a few years back. And I honestly, actually, I've been there for Flower and Garden, too. And we did see on that one, we walked by the concert at Flower and Garden. It was like... I'm, Okay, I, sh I shouldn't pick on the music genre. It's just not my jam. A mm -hmm. lot of times it's a little bit more like 70s bands and, and a little bit less popular type. Right. I think those have morphed into a little bit more modern if you look at the list I sent you. Um, but still, there's half that list. I don't even know who they are. Mm -hmm. So the flower and garden music tends to not be my thing. I wish I could remember who we, who we were saying. You know, it's one of those things if my wife listens to this, she'll be like yelling at me like, of course you know who that was. We, we literally <laughs> sat down and watched some of the music. I just can't remember who it was. Right. Yeah. The two times I was there during Flower and Garden where they had the concerts going, we always left Epcot. If we were there in the day, we always left and usually went to Magic Kingdom or uh, somewhere else at night. 
So we were never there when the concerts were going on. Right. Yeah, because they don't start until I think early evening, right? Yeah. I yeah. Think yeah. Five fifteen ish, I think, might be the first mm-hmm. set. Yeah, that, that rings I, a bell. I did see the um, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, music set that. a few years back. <laughs> uh, they they were there like summertime. I and, remember um, that. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. saw that in the American Gardens Theater Fourth of I July. Saw I saw so, that, and I think uh, the. We're the ones that are usually inside the American Pavilion. The, uh, Royce's Liberty. Yeah, they were they were in the uh, garden last time we were there. They're better than the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy band, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Royce's Liberty is amazing. So I wanted to ask you guys first. I guess one of the topics we could address early on is one of the if, ho- yeah. Go ahead, Nick. Is one of these bands? Would you go? Was there a particular one you would plan a trip around? Um. No, not from what I recall. Let me take a look at the schedule again. Let me load it up. I don't know if there's one of these I'd be like, well, I'm going to plan my trip around singing this band. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure people have, they have fans out there that might do it. Like if Um, I was just there, I'd probably go see maybe playing YTs or. I'd I'd stop for Rick Springfield. Yeah, I'd probably, it may be cool in the game. But how many of those are actually the original game? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, looking I, at this list, I don't think I would go there specifically to see any of these shows. The one group that is sometimes at Epcot that I would go for is Boys to Men, who I've seen in concert um, before. But I wouldn't travel just to go to see any of these acts. No offense to these acts, but. That, how many seats is that thing? How many people does that thing even hold? Several hundred, I would say. Probably. Yeah, I'd say several hundred. Do people like stand around the outside? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Definitely. I mean, Plain White Tees is probably the most modern group right. on this list. Uh, I've heard of Herman Hermits and Simple Plan and uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Berlin, Starship. It's just not my, again, Pointer Sisters, not my music. But, uh, yep. you know, it's it's name brand to some people and it's it's interesting and exciting. What what level? I mean, you're not going to get like, you know, Billy Joel to go to this thing. Right. But what what level of sort of non super mainstream band would have to be there for you guys to like plan a trip around it? <laughs> I mean, if they reunited the Beatles, Scott would be there, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's a Beatles reunion that would get me to go to. Travel is there, there a good enough Beatles cover band that would get you down? There? Uh, there is a great Beatles cover band called the Fab Foe. I've seen them in concert several times. They are the world's, in my opinion, the world's greatest Beatles cover band. But again, I don't think I would travel there just to go see them. If, uh, go ahead, Nick. If they had the dueling pianos from the boathouse go in there, I'd probably sit down and watch. That would be fun. Like, a, 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 his band is really a person. Um, Someone I could see eventually showing up in this type of genre, uh, this venue, is um, Five for Fighting. And I'm a Five for Fighting fan. So I, I could see him, John John and Drodznik, I think is his last name. I could see him like a little bit later in his career, like maybe being an Epcot performer. Right. And it's not a knock. Yeah, You heard the list. There's some real almost legends on that list. The, the monkeys used to come and do the uh, yeah. music every now and again so you know there's some name brand stuff he's someone i'm not sure i'd fully plan a trip around but if we were saying hey we're going to go down for flower and garden and i saw his name on the list i would probably plan for that weekend Mm -hmm. 
Nick, how about you? I don't know. If there's any, I only go see one band in concert. So who's that? They might be Giants, a band nobody's ever heard of. I've heard of course of them. we've heard of them. Yeah, they, of they do the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse thing. Yeah, well, they do more than that. No, they don't. Um, yes, they, they do. do a great actually, cover. Let me see if I'm right about this, but keep, keep talking. I'm on Bro Down. They do a Bro Down cover. Do they? Um, yeah, I uh, I have tickets. They're going to be in Houston in. Uh, it keeps getting rescheduled. I think it's now uh, May. It's been rescheduled like six times because of the pandemic. Yeah, of course. Um, if they were there, I'd go. I'd, I'd definitely fly down for that. Actually, I think they will be in Orlando at some point on their tour. What's the last this? concert you went to, Nick? They might be Giants in. <laughs> 18 or 19, the last time they were in Houston. Yes. So. The last concert I went to was a, a boy band thing at the casinos here in Connecticut. Who was there? I think it was 98 Degrees and the one that has Nick Lachey, which might be 98 Degrees. That is 98 I'm Degrees. Not, okay. And, and I'm going to use that with? to give a plug to the Stuff We Love podcast YouTube channel where oh. you can find a video of 98 Degrees performing <laughs> Invisible Man and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas from a holiday show I attended several years ago. It was them and, and another boy band, but I don't think it was... It definitely wasn't in sync. I don't think it was Backstreet Boys, but it might have been. O-Town? It was not O-Town. It was, it was not... Uh, maybe it was Backstreet Boys. But anyway, we got free tickets. That's why we went. I got I dragged to... Uh... Wilson Phillips and Richard Marks. That's a double oh, feature I, right there. I, I, I saw I saw Richard Marks, but it was in the eighties. It was funny. Be, yeah, this was in I think the nineties, late nineties. Um, it was funny because uh, R- Wilson Phillips was the opening band, and about half the crowd left. Really? Wilson Phillips before Richard Marks came on. Well, that's not good. Oh, but I'm going to take that as including a... us because <laughs> we left after like three songs. Nick, I'm going to take that as a segue to my previous comment that I was going to make about they might be giants. I was I was double checking. I was right about this, and I am. They did a cover. Speaking of Wilson in Beach Boy of a Beach Boy song, which is one of my favorite Beach Boy songs, because Wilson, of course, and Wilson Phillips are Brian Wilson's daughters. Caroline No was the song Beach Boy song that they might be giants oh, covered, yeah. which is my favorite song on one of my favorite songs on the Pet Sounds album by the Beach Boys. But um, yeah, concerts at Disney, I've always interested me i had this weird idea years ago of something this this is going to sound ridiculous but this is the way my mind thinks of something that disney should open up which at the time seemed good i'm not sure it's feasible now i always thought disney should have some kind of very elaborate ornate theater almost like an opera house type theater on the grounds of disney world where they would show classic disney films with a live orchestra i thought that would be something that people would be interested in going to because i know that people attend these orchestra evenings at their local concert halls where you'll see the state Philharmonic perform the score to star Wars live while the movie plays or Harry Potter, that type of thing. We're I getting Harry like, Potter this spring here. Oh, you are. Yeah. You, you're going to go. We, I, no, we didn't buy tickets for it because of the pandemic, but right. A good example of it. Yeah. They're actually still doing those. I always thought Disney would do something cool with that, but that, that will that, never happen. Well, that that's where I thought they might go when um, the Cirque du Soleil show closed down right but then they re-upped with a new Cirque du Soleil show but I thought that would have been a perfect time convert that theater do you could have live performances like you described and when that's not 
not going on, you could have had regular concerts or other traveling shows come through mm-hmm. and perform there. And people might want to do that on vacation, but obviously they re-upped with Circus instead. Can you, you know imagine going to see... Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. You know what show we bought tickets to that's coming to Houston? They might be Giants? Besides that one. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Golden Girls Puppet Show. I don't think I even knew that was a thing. I did not know that was a thing. There's a Golden Girls puppet show that's uh, touring the country. Wow. And uh, my wife wanted to go, so we we got tickets for it. So, Nick, I'm going to take that as a segue. I think it's in in March. I'm going to use that as a segue to point out something I saw on Twitter, which really amazed me, which is that if if I'm reading this right, the year that Golden Girls began, the characters on the show were younger than the current Sex in the City characters on the reboot, the show, and just like that are. So think about that. Really? Yes. I'm almost I mean, not positive. Not right character because she was the mom, but the other three. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Actually, I need to check this, but I think Estelle Gay was actually the youngest of the cast. Really? Was she? Hang on. There was some weird fact about that. Let me look. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. She reminded me so much of my grandmother and that the, the character in that show. Mm-hmm. Hysterical. While Nick checks this out, we'll we'll wait and then continue. No, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so it's probably me, wrong. I'm probably wrong. I want to ask you guys a question. Disney related. All I see nowadays on Twitter and in some of the other podcasts that I listen to is this real animosity towards Bob Chapek, okay? People seem to blame him for everything they don't like at the Disney parks. If the cost of a bucket of popcorn goes up 10 cents, they think that that's worthy of Chapek resigning in disgrace, okay? And I'm I'm not here to criticize Chapek or compliment. Oh, Nick has a comment. Nick has the answer. Okay, so when the show started... Estelle Getty was one year younger than uh, B. Arthur. Wow. She was, she was 62 and B. Arthur was 63. And so was Betty White. And I'm looking for a room. Hang on. And why not have her? I bet she continued to be one year younger than her, too. <laughs> she was 52. When it, so she was 10 years younger than. Wow. So she was the youngest. Estelle Getty was the second youngest. She was a year younger than her daughter on the show. Well, turning back to my question, yeah, Bob so Chapek. Question. So they blame him for everything. And I just feel that, again, I'm not going to criticize Chapek or compliment him, but do you think do you think he's getting too much of the blame for what may or may not be wrong with Disney? In other words, if if there are legitimate concerns about price increases and other things, and again, I'm not saying they're legitimate or not. I'm just saying if people are upset, does Chapek get too much of the blame? What are your thoughts on that, guys? Dean says yes, and I say no. Wait, Dean says Chapek gets too much of the blame. And I say, much, get you say no. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing, Scott. If you if if you take the journey back with me, there was a time where Michael Eisner was the CEO of Disney, and everybody hated him. Right? They all wanted him out. They couldn't wait for him to get out. And then Bob Iger came in, and about. I don't know. So depending on the person, anywhere from six hours to six months into the Iger regime, they all wanted Eisner back and everybody hated Bob Iger. And what do you hear now? 
everybody wants Iger back and they all hate Chapek. <laughs> right. So there's just this model of let's hate the current CEO because what do they really hate? They hate price increases, which are inevitable. Price increases have happened every year at Disney since before Walt even started Disney. Like he, they, they raised prices back then too. And so the fact that someone thinks that the CEO of a corporation that has so many arms that the Disney parks, while it, it's, you know, it's a material portion, it's not the majority of what goes on at Disney. It's, it's actually probably, I don't remember the numbers, but you know, sitting around a quarter of the book, maybe less. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think he's signing off on the cost of the bucket of popcorn or the right. hotel rates or any of that stuff. What he's doing is overseeing the financials and he's telling the head of that division, you know, your profits need to change. And then the head of parks and, and uh, you know, the resorts and all that will design where those changes come from. And clearly based on what I booked for this summer, the majority of the revenue increase is from the cost of booking the Grand Floridian. Oh my God, that place has gone through the roof. But that's mm -hmm. not a Chapek decision. The, no, there will be budgetary stuff that he signs off on, uh, but it's it's clearly Nick's favorite executive at Disney. Josh Demel, <laughs> That's doing all that stuff. Um, I, I'm not here to be a JPEG apologist, right? So th there's any number of things that you could blame a CEO for. And ultimately, if Disney ever did fail or downturn or tank or lose profitability, it's going to be his head on the platter. But uh, yeah, the the funny signs about you know you run better than chapek or you run disney better than chapek that people are holding up during the marathons right you know good humor but it, it's just it doesn't make sense for where the reasons why they want to blame chapek don't align with what the decisions that chapek actually has to do as a ceo mm -hmm. yeah like and he's then, getting blamed for uh the tron construction and that's clearly <laughs> been at a snail's pace since way before he took over Right. Yeah. And, and it's not the first Disney project to be at a snail's pace. That happened before yeah. he was there. So there's clearly other factors going on. And by the way, trying to build a roller coaster in the middle of pandemic could be a challenge. Uh, so we could give him a little bit of a pass that, you know, there was a period of time there where they may have had to shut down or they may have lost staff and all sorts of good stuff going on. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, that stuff is frustrating. But I don't think Chapek's the right finger to point, the right person to point the finger at for those kinds of things. Nick, what's your reaction to this? Uh, I mean, I agree with Dean. I always blame JPEG for stuff more jokingly in our group text than I actually <laughs> actually think. I think what he's um, destroyed more than the parks is the entertainment division with the decision, the people he put in place to pick what's going to Disney Plus, what's going here, what's going there, what's going to theaters, that kind of stuff. I think that side, I think he, he had a more direct impact on than the parks. The parks are always jacking up prices. Mm -hmm. Maybe the uh, nickel and diming part that seems to be more prevalent is part of his plan. I don't know. but Again, I think it's part of the initiative. He probably put a, a revenue threshold down and said, yeah. look, you need to hit to this mark. And that's so the, the decision to desire to increase revenue is probably his the way they do it is at the josh dumel as nick likes to call him uh level but uh you know what what is uh Chapek ultimately answered to he answers to the board and to shareholders and so as long as they continue to yield dividend and the stock price doesn't tank mm -hmm. that's him doing his job yeah and it's not like the parks aren't crowded i mean people are still going i mean i tried to book a weekend uh, just to go to a resort and hang out at a resort for a weekend. 
and all the DVC resorts were booked every weekend through April. You know, I couldn't find a room anywhere. Usually you can find availability at Saratoga Springs. And there wasn't even anything there. Yes. It's not like people aren't going. They're still going. And that's the There's thing. There's a lot Nick, of pent-up demand. There's yeah. a lot of pent-up demand. From and the they're part. taking Proposed advantage of it. To get, people are doing it now. To make that revenue. They're taking advantage of it. Oh, yeah. The, you know, people like us who monitor the parks very closely and go on this Twitter, we are the exception. We do not represent anything close to the majority of the fans that go because we pay such close attention we notice when there are price changes for the average fan that goes once every few years they know their trip is going to be expensive but they don't look at it and say oh well when we went three months ago it was so much cheaper no because they're going once every few years so they don't care about this the way we do other than caring about whether or not their trip is expensive they don't notice the changes and like you said nick the demand is there the parks are busy the hotels are busy i've heard some debate we don't know whether or not Disney is booking their rooms to 100% capacity, but whether they are or aren't, when I ch- periodically go online, even though Dean, you're my agent, I'll sometimes go to the Disney website and check hotel availability just to see what's out there. A lot of dates, like you said, Nick, no availability. And this is for uh, far out. So, And they're not 100% booking yet because they haven't opened up every room post-pandemic, but the ones that are open are full. Right. There's no question about that. And the um, the funny thing about that, though, is if you think about how many people are at a Disney park, let's just pick on Walt Disney World, between the four parks and Disney Springs, how many people are there on a given day? Mm-hmm. And you think about how many hotel rooms and the capacity of those rooms, the majority of people there are not staying on property. So while the hotels are a huge revenue driver because the cost and the price point is so high, that's not what everyone's doing when they go on a Disney vacation. Right. Right. It's true. There is, there is this sense that's out there that Disney, I I don't know how to, how to describe it, but there's, there's a sense of anger that exists towards the management team. And one of the interesting things I've seen from some YouTube vloggers who are on Disney's media list and go to their events is that they are now filming videos that go on YouTube where they will complain publicly about the Disney price increases. There's some that have even, one in particular that it's on my mind, who has released some videos recently where he'll show off-property hotels that he thinks are good values and places that people going to Disney World should consider staying. You never would see something like that before. Um, It's very fascinating to me. Yeah, and it just depends what you want out of your trip. Uh, Plenty of people that want to go stay in Central Orlando area Mm -hmm. and do more than just disney parks no sense staying at disney there's people who are very comfortable taking a car and you know driving to and from their resort every day and some of the resorts down there have their own shuttles and they'll drop off at the ttc you don't need to be on property for that but those of us that want to be in the bubble and we want that experience and we want to just be on property there's still really strong demand for that you know back in the day and i say in the day it's probably you know 15 years ago now um my typical trip wasn't to a quote unquote Disney resort, we used to sit at the Dolphin a lot. And Swan and Dolphin are on Disney property and you know it's sitting right there next to Yacht Club and Beach Club, uh, but not owned by Disney. And we did that because of the price point. Uh, it was a lot less expensive to go stay at Sheridan or Weston, which is what Swan and Dolphin are, than it was to go to a Disney park. Those guys have now increased their prices pretty dramatically. 
you can still find pretty good deals every now and again, um, but depending on where, what you want to index them against, uh, their prices have increased quite a bit. The, the throwback I'd have for people who want to complain about Disney pricing is what hasn't increased in price the last 18 months? It's true. Have you gone grocery shopping? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the price of milk has is, is gone up probably 30 to 40% around here. It's yeah. unbelievable what some of the uh, groceries are going for. Everything has gone up. You know, you want to go see a Broadway show. People that don't live in the New York area may not know this, but the cost of a Broadway ticket to even some garbage show could be $150. <laughs> oh, and yes, there's a lot of garbage shows puppet up there, show. you know? Like the Golden Girls puppet show? That's not a garbage show. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's quality entertainment, Nick. That's not a garbage show. But um, yeah, go, go see Hamilton and get a bad seat and right. watch how much you're paying for that seat. One bad seat to Hamilton is the equivalent of 15 boobash tickets. You know, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, I, I think one of the interesting things that we have to pay attention to this year with the Orlando travel is how many people start to spend more time at Universal, where the hotels are generally less expensive and where you do, in some ways, get better value for your money, in my opinion. So that's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, another thing that I don't think will happen, but again, I think it's worth paying attention to. It seems like Magical Express being taken away, it's driving people nuts. That seems to be a major thing that really angers them. And if you have someone that's going to be willing to spend six, $700 for a night at the Grand Floridian, which Dean, I don't think is out of line. You could easily pay that for no, a night. That's, at the Grand that's, yeah, that's, especially in the summer. That's, that's about what they're That's a is. bargain. That's a bargain. Yeah, so, their, rack, their rack rate can be 800 or more for regular hotel room. So are those people without Magical Express without as many other perks, such as the same extra hours, you know, you got, if you stay at a deluxe resort, you get extra hours, some, some evenings, but it's granted not as much as used to be available. Are they going to say, well, why would I stay here when I could stay at the four seasons or the Waldorf where the rooms are just as nice, maybe even more modern, certainly more modern at the four seasons. And, um, is, is that going to affect things? Or, or, but I, I don't know. As I'm thinking about this, the hotels are still going to be busy no matter how you how you look at it. But here's the crazy thing, Scott. People found their way to Disney property before 2005. Right. So a lot of the cry about and Magical that's pre-Magical Express, Express team, what you're right. referring to. Right. That's what I was going to say. A lot of the people who are, are upset about this only experience going to Disney since 2005. But if you went there from 71 to 2004, you found your own way on property. And it was typically... Uh, in the 90s and 2000s, you take a mirror shuttle. Mm -hmm. So Disney contracted with mirrors, painted the buses pretty, and called it complimentary shuttle service. It was included in your hotel price, but it was complimentary shuttle service. So now mm -hmm. they're back to the old model. You're paying, I think it's like $32 round trip for an adult to go on the mirror shuttle, which just doesn't say Magical Express. But you're, the service is still there. You just right. have to pay for it out of pocket, uh, which again, it, it's the constant, and this is in every industry, do you want the bundled package or do you want a la carte? Because this is the a la carte model where you have to pay for your own shuttle service if you want it. The bundled was the last 15 or I guess 15 plus years of Magical Express was included if you were staying on property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the argument against that is they didn't lower the prices $32 when they took yeah. away Magical Express. Yeah, I so. think that's where a lot of the complaining comes from is that it's all becoming a la carte now. You know, so you have to pay for the shuttle to get there. Now you have to pay for the fast pass. Yep. And I think that's where a lot of the people are frustrated. I completely agree. The, the reason the dining plan is so popular 
is because folks like that, hey, I just pay, you know, whatever it is, $75, $119, depending on which plan you take a day. And and then I just show my band and I get food and it's great. And that's how I pay for my meals because it's already included. If you break down the math on the dining plan, it's not the best value, but that a la carte when you have to go restaurant to restaurant hurts a lot more than just knowing that you paid for the dining plan. This is, this is the transportation version of that. Right. Do you think the dining plan is coming back, Dean? I do. I do. I think we'll see it back. Um, I don't know when, and I haven't heard anything official. So that's, that's a, a, a me statement, not a, anything we've heard on the inside. Um, but I'd be surprised. I think it was very profitable for them. I, th- I think it, uh, it steered a lot of folks to, like you're talking about, you know, are people starting to wander off property? The one thing that I keep you on property is if you already had your food included with the dining plan. So people are less likely to wander over to city walk for a night and go have dinner or, you know, get out to, uh, 192 and go out to some of the restaurants that are out there mm-hmm. yeah i haven't heard anything about it i was just curious if you thought it would yeah i don't know what their what the hurdle will be when that finally comes back i think knowing that all the some of the restaurants aren't open full-time right now so i think they're a little bit worried about restaurant capacity obviously the resorts aren't completely open yet some of them will will open up early this year by the end of first quarter i think every room will be open um, so then you might see some of that unfold, maybe by summertime. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. This is good. This is an interesting conversation. Um, let me do a complete 180 here. What is the best food court at a hotel on Disney property? Nick, what's your go-to? Well, I, I always loved the uh, All-Star Movies food court. I know Art of Animation gets the best uh, rep, but... Uh, I like the movies. I like the food court of movies. Mm-hmm. And it's funny too because movies, music, and sports are all right there. They're all next to each other. You would think they'd have similar quality food, but All Star Sports is trash. Claim <laughs> <laughs> <Blame> JPEG. <laughs> it's trash. JPEG <laughs> uh, personally filled out the Iger, menu there. Yeah. Unfortunately, Iger was in charge when uh, I tried that food court. Um, Dean, what about you? What's your go to food court? I'm going to give you three answers because uh, I have to. That's good. Uh, I do like art of animation uh, yeah. for the, the seating, the variety of the food. The lighting actually is great there uh, and the options are good. My go to, I actually like Contempo Cafe at the Contemporary. That's um, probably not a super popular option, but the best one on property is in the basement of the Dolphin at Peekaboo. Yes, the 24 hour place. Yeah, the 24 hour place. Yes, very among, good. If not the only, it's it's among the only uh, 24 hour places available on Disney property and everything I've had down there, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, you know, everything's been really good uh, and they have some interesting options. And uh, so I'm a, I'm a fan of if we stay anywhere over in the boardwalk area, uh, wander over to Peekaboo for at least something. Mm-hmm. If we're going like- to expand it out, the Bayliner Diner at Cabana Bay is, is amazing. That's oh, a long walk from the boardwalk. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, what's the name of the place? Uh, is it Captain Jack's at Polynesian? Is that Captain, Captain Cook's? Yeah, Captain, that, Cook's, that's yeah, really... Captain Jack's is Billy, Captain Jack, Billy Ca- Captain Jack, he'll get you by tonight. Uh, <laughs> Captain Jack's used to be at downtown Disney. It was a margarita stand. Um, that's that's going way back, though. But uh, yeah, no, Captain Cook's actually that, that should definitely be in my at least honorable mention. If for nothing else, the Aloha Pork. Uh, getting the pork mm-hmm. nachos there and the sandwich are fantastic. That's a 24-hour one, isn't it? Or is it? I don't know if it is currently, but it used to yeah, be. Yeah, it used to be. Uh, the, the best, One of the best things that used to be there was uh, make your own Dole Whip 
Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's you'd, right. you'd get the cup and you'd pay the one price for the cup and you'd see people trying to pull off like a two and a half foot scoop of Dole Whip on that little cup and just pure vertical uh, soft serve. Yeah. Unbelievable. I remember when I stayed at the Polynesian going there late night and having cookies and soda. It was just like the worst thing you could possibly eat late night, but that you do it anyway because it's a vacation. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's good. Also, the Riviera has Primo Patia. Am I I saying that right? I I don't want to be wrong. Would those technically be food courts, though? Don't you have to have multiple windows to be a food court? Well, the place at the Riviera does sell. Yeah, see, they they don't have multiple windows. They have different state, like at movies and art of animation. They have stations you have to go. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm stretching the the quick service at the deluxe resorts to be sort of the food court style. But you're right, as a technical food court, I don't think they they have quite the same design. Yeah, that's why I picked movies, or I probably would have said (laughs) something in one of the moderates or yeah or deluxes. Nick, speaking of. Yes, Dean, go one, ahead. I'm one, sorry. one that does have multiple um, bays is at a moderate is uh, at Port Orleans Riverside. Uh, and I'll give that one a mention just because you can get the beignets there. Um, you mean Port Orleans Riverside or French Quarter? Or, I'm sorry, French Quarter. French, French Quarter. Quarter, yeah, with the multiple uh, stations. Port, yeah, Port Orleans French Quarter. You got the multiple station, but you get the beignets there. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's don't worth go, it. Don't go to the Riverside. Uh, make your own pasta station. No. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get pasta at Disney. I did that one mistake. Yes. Uh, yeah. Good, good correction there, Scott. French Quarter. I love that. Place. French Quarter. Yeah, it's a great hotel. Uh, Nick, you uh, texted us the other day and you asked if I'd been to Bull and Bear over at the Waldorf, the steakhouse. Is that a place you're thinking of going to? Uh, I was just so what I do sometimes is just Google, like go to Yelp and just search restaurants and just look at menus. And yes. uh, that one came up on one of my searches and I just looked at it. It looked really cool. Yeah, I've seen I, videos. I like there. Yeah, I like looking at uh, fancy restaurant menus. Yeah, it's a weird, uh, <laughs> weird thing. It's supposed to be great. Um, I would like to go there on a future trip. I've not been there, but I have heard people whom I trust say that it competes with the best steaks on Disney property. So, what's the competition? You know, for all there? the criticism I'll give for certain cuisines in Florida, they do have some really good steak options on Disney property. Mm-hmm. If you want to go on a drive, it's not, I mean, it's a, it's Tampa. So it's a little bit of a drive. There's a steakhouse there called Burns Steakhouse. I went there once on a trip. It is a very unique place. It's a legendary steakhouse and you could actually take a tour of their wine cellar. And it's just one of the most unique dining experiences I've ever had. Uh, Burns Steakhouse in the uh, Tampa area. If you're looking to try something different and see what Tampa is all about, you could take a, take a trip there on your Disney world vacation. Good insider tip. You didn't tell us your favorite food court. Oh, um, well, <laughs> um, Scott doesn't eat at food courts. Dean. No, that's, that's not point. true. That is, good point. <laughs> that is I, I've, I've true. seen his ADR list before, Nick. I mean, <laughs> that is not true. Um, I actually we've heard do... the bacon story. He has to be greeted at the door. He's not eating. <laughs> this is, this is fake news right here. Uh, if, but, if that's um, the case, go to Olivia's. Olivia's does the best greeting when you get to a restaurant on Disney yes, property. Olivia's is good. Uh, my favorite food court, I'll, I would have to say, out of the ones I've been to, is French Quarter, uh, where I went both Excellent for breakfast choice. and for lunch. And there's a lot of good options there, including good ice cream. Over yeah, the, only, the only thing I've ever had there is beignet, so I couldn't weigh in on the food there. Is a beignet like, is it soft or hard on the inside? It's soft, right? It's, it's air. It's air. It's air. 
Very airy. Nice and I gotta puffy. go. I got. I gotta get there. They're nice so good. Um, Not good if you have a gluten allergy, but otherwise they're true. really good. Uh, so let's see. We uh, like I said tonight would be kind of a free for all podcast, just talking about random stuff. We covered JPEG. We covered food courts. Um, Did covered, we cover JPEG? We covered possible <laughs> concerts at uh, at Disney World. Uh, what else is on your your minds, guys, in terms of uh, theme park stuff? Um, what are you thinking about? What anything standing out to you in the news recently? There hasn't been that much news. Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to pull you off theme parks and just ask if you've watched Encanto yet. I did. Yes. Nick, Nick, did you? I did. If that movie had come out in the theaters. It did. But, no, it's been on Disney Plus exclusive, I thought. No, no that's not it exclusive. Came, it it was, wasn't theaters. It wasn't, oh, wasn't theaters? Yeah. Yes. Okay. But I feel like very everyone limited. I've heard and talked to, it's been Disney Plus. I don't know anybody who went to the theater to see it. I, it didn't do very good in theaters, but yeah. it, once it hit Disney Plus, it took off like crazy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that... Take back that it didn't go to theaters. It bombed in theaters. It's been hot on Disney Plus. Right. Um, but my my point was going to be, if we didn't have a pandemic going on and it was exclusive to theaters, given just the music and the love of that music, this thing could add a Frozen-like following. The soundtrack did just go to number one, I think, on the Billboard chart. It did. It did. And the music's wonderful. Um, I think the storyline's pretty fun. Mm-hmm definitely different which i like that they, they didn't there was a run there for a while where i think some of the movies were a little bit templated and this one i think went a little bit different which is nice um but i just think that the um you know we're talking about going to flower and garden that that, that movie should be the theme of flower and garden 2022 it would work well some it of the imagery really well. scenes yeah you know what's it, interesting uh, go ahead nick you have the box office yeah so it made 43 million over thanksgiving weekend is when it opened, um, okay. but it only grossed ninety-two million in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that's two hundred Disney movie, two hundred sixteen uh, uh, globally, which is why I think um, they keep throwing the Pixar movies onto Disney Plus because mm-hmm. I, I don't think people are really going to theaters. I, I just think the that experience might be why the next Pixar movie is going to Disney Plus. Actually, I. I have to be honest, I didn't even realize it went to theaters because it was seems like it's been sent out really quick. But it, that audience is not ready to go to movie theaters. So it opened on Thanksgiving and it was on Disney Plus at Christmas. So it only okay. had a 30 day. Wow. That's... So the new the new box office model is 30 or 45 days and then they can put it on a streaming service. And then some uh, depends on the, the movie. Like um, what was the other animated movie that just opened up? Sing two, sing, sing two. two, right? Um, it had a uh, the contract for it. Like, if it did hit a certain amount of money, they were allowed to put it on uh, on demand after seventeen days. So, like, oh, and it just, is on demand. You could uh, yeah, you it could rent just it. Opened now. up, yeah, it opened yeah. up like two weeks ago, and now you can rent it. So they're shrinking the uh, window. So most Disney movies can be on Disney Plus thirty days after release. Now, what if they do the Disney Plus? Uh, I forgot what the term was that they used, but the you know, thirty dollars viewing. I don't think oh, that premiere was, access or something. I don't think that was really working out for them. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't ever research the numbers on that to see how they did with a couple movies they tried that with. Yeah, they tried that with Mulan, Cruella, and, uh, and Black Widow. Black and Widow, right? Cruise. And Jungle Cruise. That's right. So four, I actually, but <laughs> I actually paid for the Jungle Cruise. That's well, I wanted to watch it. I liked it. It's fun. It it's fun. a fun movie. 
You know what's interesting about Encanto? Remember, uh, I said a moment ago how the soundtrack went to number one. What's really interesting to, to me about that is it's after it was on streaming that it went to number one and replaced things like Adele, even though Adele's not selling as well as she used to. It was the streaming audience that really is driving it, which shows the success of Encanto on streaming, that it could propel a number one soundtrack, which is pretty cool, I think. And it's a great soundtrack. It is. It's grown on me. The first time I heard it, I was like, you know, this is not as good as some other recent Disney scores. But the more I listen to it, I could see why people resonate to, uh, or gravitate towards it. Listen, Catchy in songs. The, in we the 11 and under crowd, Bruno is way more popular than Adele. Uh, that is true. <laughs> Adele's popular, but not as popular as Bruno. Yeah, the 11-year-olds don't talk about Adele. <laughs> is Adele boring? Yes or no? Her music. No, not at all. I like her new song. Oh, Scott thinks Adele's boring. Um, Up until this new song, I don't think I liked an Adele song, but I like this new one. I'm going to say something really weird. Okay. This is really weird. And I'm going to come across. I mean, I may only be 41, but now I'm going to sound like a curmudgeon. Okay. <laughs> I saw footage of Adele in concert. And she's got, of course, has one of the greatest voices of all time. Her, you know, impeccable. Yet she was so vulgar in the way that she talked to the audience between the really? songs. Not, not mean to them, but in the language she used just in conversation. Cursing left and right. Just in the way she spoke. That to me, it struck me as very... It was a turnoff to me. It was that would be off-putting for me. I, I agree with that. That yeah. would be off-putting for me. I don't Chris Sinatra didn't have to point. curse in his concerts. The Beatles didn't have to curse in their concerts, right? He uh, he cursed enough offstage. <laughs> that's true. That's that's true. But um, you know what I mean? It just, to me, was a little bit of a turnoff. So I, I do find some of her songs boring. But there are songs of hers that I find really good. Um, but I couldn't get past that. And that makes me seem very curmudgeonly and... But I it, it bothered me. Now now I want to see this concert. I'll see it. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Adele, if you're listening, I apologize for. for she is a listener of the show. Yeah. Uh, she is a listener. And, yeah, she, yeah, she, she tweeted me and said she liked the most recent shows you were doing. Uh oh. Um. Anyhow, uh, where are we going with this? Adele. Yeah, the 11 year olds. Bruno is much more popular with the under 11 than. Yeah. No, I I think uh, Encanto. Uh, Somewhere should... there's an 11 year old. Somewhere there's like a 10 year old listening. That's <laughs> finals of both Adele and Encanto. <laughs> They're very torn right now. Uh, I, I just, I want Encanto to take off. I want it to have more yeah. of a, a mark and a presence because I think it is a really good story. Uh, it's a very pretty movie. The color scheme is beautiful. Very beautiful. Um, the music is catchy. Bruno is fantastic. I guess it's, it's just, it's got everything I think a Disney movie needs to be really popular except it doesn't have a half billion dollar box office. That is true. Um, which leads me to a question, another random Disney question. What is your favorite Disney uh, soundtrack? Like what movie has the best Disney songs in your opinion? Ooh, I'm, my, this, when you first asked the question, my this gut answer, yeah, it definitely could. My gut answer when you first asked the question was Beauty and the Beast. Mm. And then yeah, I went, ooh, but I really like Tangled. <laughs> so it's it's a toss-up for I think. And, and I'm sure I'm missing at least half a dozen others that belong in that conversation. Sure. Those are the first two that come to mind. Nick? Yeah. 
Does Mary Poppins count? I might put that yeah, on the top of the list. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. I, I, mean, I, think Mary, I want to put Mary Poppins one in Beauty and the Beast too. I mean, I don't know that I, I actually sit and listen to a lot of them. <laughs> like I'll randomly just think of a song, maybe I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that song in forever and listen to it. But um, yeah, probably Beauty and the Beast. Right. <clears throat> Beauty Aladdin. and the Beast is great. I love Cinderella. Cinderella is a, a great collection of songs. Um, like of the new batch, I think Frozen 2. I like the songs in Frozen 2. Frozen 2 is strong. I, it, it has grown on me tremendously. That's something I noticed with some of the more recent Disney films, like Encanto and Frozen 2. When I first hear the music, I'm like, okay, it's good, but perhaps I'm holding it to too high a standard. And then the more I hear it, it's, it's really good. I, I, it, I come to truly enjoy it. Um, but yeah, Encanto is good. On Disney Plus also, I never watched the Behind the Attraction series that was on last year. So I'm going to be good. getting into that. Yeah, that I'm Those looking forward good. to. Um, what else have you guys been watching? Anything good? I, I picked up uh, Only Murders in the Building, Nick, after your recommendation. That was one of my favorite shows. That last was year. Great, Do you have any other show. recommendations? Uh, I don't even know what we're watching right now. Just watched season two of Emily in Paris. So did I. It still has no substance, but it was entertaining. That's a great show. Great show. Joe and I, by the way, uh, are going to be doing a podcast episode devoted to Emily in Paris on stuff. Are you? Podcast. Okay. I'll, yes. I'll, uh, I'll Do you want to join that one? To... No, I'll just listen in. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, we're not really watching. I've been watching um, FBI, which is one of those just procedural shows. Mm-hmm. Been watching that. That's a. Uh, I like the Dick Wolf uh, universe. It shows the law and orders, and I always got the FBI's. Well, I have to give a shout out to the return of uh, Call Me Cat coming back for another season. I don't know if you guys watch that at all. It's got Mayim Bialik. Oh, it's a a CBS show. Right. Uh, Mayim Bialik runs a cat cat cafe. Is it Fox? I'm sorry. It's a Fox show. uh, My wife watches it. All all I know is it shows up on my DVR and I watch it. I, I will correct that. Let me check my DVR here. Um, yeah, I haven't watched. Um, I mean, um, been watching Bo- uh, Boba Fett, Bo- Bo- yeah. Boba Fett, me too. That's really good. I really enjoyed Hawkeye. Hawkeye was great. Yeah, um, we're, we're both wrong. This season appears to be on uh, NBC. <laughs> is it really? WTIC uh, is my local NBC channel, I believe. I swear it was on Fox. I know it shows up in Hulu, so it has to be ABC, uh, NBC, or Fox because they uh, are not ABC. Um, yeah, ABC, NBC, or Fox, because all the CBS shows just go to Paramount. They don't go to Hulu. Dean, you know what I ended up watching, by the way? Finally saw Don't Look Up on Netflix. Remember I still we haven't watched that. I need to. We, we, start, we started it in the sense that we went all the way into Netflix, found it, and we were about to hit play, and then said, I don't want to watch this right now. <laughs> Is it good? long? Is, Is it long? long? I think it's like two hours, 18 minutes or something. Trying to think of the last movie I watched. I don't watch a lot of movies. I did see Spider Man. That was awesome. Didn't see it yet. Can't can't talk about I'm it. Not gonna, yeah, I won't. I don't. I won't give spoilers. Yeah, there's really so good. much to do. That's the thing. I mean, it's trying to find the ways to spend your evenings between TV shows, movies, sports, podcasts. There's there's only so much time in the day. You got to make time for your podcasts. Last night, I fell asleep 
on the couch at around 9.15. Opened my eyes. It was 12.11. I didn't get back oh. to sleep until 4 a.m. That hurts. And then I got up at like 6.30 to do a quick workout before my day began. And then I had a long day. It's like the rock. He gets up early to exercise. Yes. Well, that's, I may get up early, but that's the only similarity that I have to the rock. Although I did like jungle cruise, Nick, that was a fun movie. That was, that was, that fun. was good. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm mean, trying to figure out what channel the show is on. I apologize. <laughs> the other show I need to shout out, which I know is on CBS is the amazing races back to another season. Okay. And is that I've still always, on? yeah, they're on like season 30 something. We used um, to love that show, but I don't think we've watched it in years. I love that show. I watched every season, and I uh, I always want them to go to Disney World, and I, I don't think they ever have. But the the interesting part of this season is they actually started filming it in a, it was either late nineteen or very early twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So within the first couple of episodes, they're going to get interrupted for the pandemic, and they send everybody home. Right, and then they they come back and finish their recording. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out in real life or on TV. I guess during their real life, which is now being broadcast on TV. Right. By the way, it occurred to me, guys, we didn't talk about Chapex Pillars. I have no interest in talking about it anymore. Do you? No. <laughs> yeah. I'm a North Star. <laughs> That's your name. That's your name. The North Star. I'm a the, North Star. The, the pillars are corporate. I'm not even sure why they're being scrutinized. It's it's a bunch of corporate speak. There's just right. like there's no substance to that. Every company has those. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> that that is just a typical. I mean, Nick, you've been in enough company. I'm sure every place you've been has done their pillars. You know, you, yeah. Even where I am now, we, we're not quite pillared, but it is a Fox show. You're 100 percent right. I just found it on Fox. Um, go ahead, d- dub that back in, uh, Scott. It's a Fox. Show. I just went to Hulu and clicked on it and put the Fox logo up. This edit. I don't know how this is going to be edited. If it's there, it's there. Just just cancel it all out. Yeah. Kill, kill that just, whole conversation. Just delete the whole thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's good let's stuff. Start, let, let's start over. That's gold. Welcome um, to butter and bacon. Oh, wrong show. Um, but yeah, no, the, the whole pillar thing is it's every company. They, Disney still had the four keys before that. Like they, right, they all right. have that corporate speak. Like I said, it's, it sounds very University of Michigan Business School. I don't know where Chapek went to uh, get his MBA, but I'm sure he has one. But um, college. It's it's yeah. They have mascot college up at UConn here in Connecticut. A lot of the mascots, like you see in all the sports mascots, they actually get degrees at UConn on how to be a mascot. So, guys, to show you how generic these pillars are, I'm going to take them and replace them with the Stuff We Love podcast, okay? These are the Stuff We Love podcast's three pillars. First, podcasting excellence. What makes Stuff We Love podcast so unique is the way we podcast means something to people. Second, innovation. Since our first episode, we have been the world's foremost innovative podcast. And third, relentless focus on our listeners. <laughs> that, they are the, that's how you do a pillar, pot, everybody. Yeah. I mean, the listeners are a North Star. <laughs> the listeners are the North Star. I think that that's 100% spot on. And I respect you and anyone who does a model just like that. Thank you. Uh, Dean, one more question on TV shows. Have you watched season two of Saved by the Bell? No. I, uh, I did watch the full season one, which I think we talked about before in your show. Yeah. Um, I'll have to pick it up at some point. It's uh, it's good. It's not as good as season one, in my opinion, but it's good. I need to uh, sign up for Peacock so I can watch some of those. Peacock is see- good. I want to watch the um, MacGruber. Yes, that's and on there's there. Another, there's another show on Peacock I want to watch, but I can't think of what it is. Is it the one with Ed Helms, Rutherford? Not Rutherford, but 
another's. Um, well, anyhow, guys, this is pretty impressive because there's not much going on in Disney right now. And yet we've made a close to hour long episode, I suppose. Well, just, let, let just me talking. sneak one more one more question in for you, because yeah. this one, I think, went a little under the radar. Um, there's a perk of staying on Disney property for any resort at any park. You can get in 30 minutes early. Mm-hmm. And do you find value in that? No, we don't even have to think twice about that. It's a I even said that to my wife this summer when we were there that the process of getting into the parks can sometimes be so long in terms of how long it's going to take you to get through the gates. Um, Security has improved. That's become quicker. But to be an extra half hour early, it could take 10, 15 minutes to walk to an attraction. So no, I don't really find there to be much benefit. I think that's a, uh, I, I, to me, it's like, it's not even available to you. I'm surprised it's 30 minutes. I, you know, they used to get the early magic hours. They were full hour, but it was only one park. This is now every park, 30 minutes. I don't know. I, I, I like the concept, um, mm-hmm. but I do wish it was a full hour. Cause I, you're right. It's, when we had the hour extra magic hour, it was actually an extra magic hour, first of yeah. all. And secondly, you could get two, three attractions done in that time frame. Right. And now with that 30 minute head start, you're right. Like if it take you 10 minutes to get back to Big Thunder anyway. So you're probably riding Big Thunder and getting in line at Splash Mountain and the crowds are pouring in. This podcast is longer than that. Well, that's because you have Nick and me on. We just talk. Yeah. Well, that's true. But I mean, yeah, good. You and so, Jack would have had this show done in 18 minutes. Peacock has a apparently it's a series because it says season one of uh, a Joe Montana documentary show. Ooh, okay, cool. So which, so my question to you is, which streaming service will have the uh, Tom Brady uh, series? ESPN Plus has the Tom Brady series. <laughs> is there a Tom Brady series? There is. He, uh, I don't watch it. I've been meaning to, but it's like he takes you through each of his Super Bowl wins. Each episode is a Super Bowl. Oh, so he already has that? I think so. If we're going down the sports angle, there is a show that just came out. It's called All Madden, and yeah. it's a a ninety minute tribute to John Madden, and he's actually in the show. It, it was filmed before he died, um, but that that is a uh, or at least the, the segments that include him, obviously, uh, that that's a worthwhile worthwhile watch if you are either a fan of sports broadcasting from the nineties or the video game. Uh, mm-hmm. Because just knowing Madden's background and, and hearing him talk about himself was uh, pretty entertaining. Yeah, that's the, great. Uh, that's a great recommendation. The first episode of this Joe Montana Cool Under Pressure show is just him in college. So this series could go on for years. Joe Montana is a, a member of the Super Bowl winning quarterback club, which has a disproportionately high number of quarterbacks have blue eyes. Really? Yeah, the uh, the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks yield towards uh, blue eyes at a much higher rate than the average population. Now, why do you know that? Do you have blue eyes? Uh, no, but I, uh, I have two math degrees. And so when you run a lot of stats stuff and, and your stats background, you come across weird facts. And okay, during one of my stats classes, the professor used that as a model of uh, testing whether or not the percentage of quarterbacks with blue eyes was abnormal or if it was a, a expected sampling of the population that could skew that way mm-hmm. you know dean until you just said it i did not know john madden had died 
I'm sorry, Nick. I didn't mean to break it to you that way. <laughs> I just looked it up. It was on the 20th, 28th of uh, December. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, between him, uh, Betty White, Bob Saget, uh, Sydney Poitier. Yeah. There, there's been a few more, too. A couple more in the sports world, too. Yeah. His totally flew under the. I didn't even hear that. Uh, Dan Reeves just passed away. Yeah. Don Maynard just passed away. There's it's been quite a few over the last Today, few Today, the singer Ronnie Spector from the Ronettes, great 60s group, passed away, too. Too many, just horrible. Yeah, that Montana documentary does look good. He's one of the greatest, obviously. Um, I forget he played for the Chiefs. You know, I always picture him in a 49ers uniform. Then I think of him in the oh, Chiefs yeah. uniform. Yeah, but he did he, his best work. He, he pulled the Brady before the Brady, <laughs> except he didn't get to the Chiefs and win. He just got to the right. Chiefs and got to the playoffs. Right. And with that, guys, anything else you want to add before we go to uh, wrap up mode and plugs? Nope. No, appreciate you having us on tonight, though, Scott. Oh, this is good. To, uh, to I, if, I, if I wanted to keep Dean from going to sleep, I could just Google Disney News and see if anything came up. <laughs> no, this is good because, like I said, there's not that much going on right now. So I'm, I'm glad we got together and just talked about a bunch of stuff. So uh, first off, let me uh, ask Nick to tell our listeners where they can find him on social media. Uh, if I'm ever on there. I'm on Twitter at a uh, Nick way mania, mm-hmm. but I'm rarely on Twitter. So, well, that's usually, a great plug. If I'm on I usually, Twitter, I usually, just post, uh, I usually just post, um, uh, news radio gifts. <laughs> um, everybody follow Nick. He's great to follow. And, uh, Dean, how about you? Yeah. I was gonna say Nick's underselling it. Nick's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at CT underscore Mickey underscore man. Uh, follow the travel agency at AIOT travel and mm-hmm. uh, shoot me an email. Dean at adventure is out there travel.com. If you want to have any assistance in your Disney or other vacation trip planning, I, uh, I am working with someone tomorrow, finalizing a great trip to the animal kingdom lodge Savannah view yes. uh, for the October timeframe. So uh, I, I do see that traveling and uh, booking travel has picked up quite a bit or since the new year, really over the last two weeks. Um, and surprisingly, and, and maybe it's a little bit of the uh, uh, holdback from Disney, but there there are some challenges of getting certain rooms at certain times of year. So if you are thinking about booking a trip, you know, I get one on the books, whether it's with us or, or by yourself. Uh, you know, we um, we encourage you to book ahead and book early, and you can always make those modifications. We'll add the discount codes if they come out, but uh, don't want you to get shut out of your favorite resort at your favorite time of year to go on vacation. Thank you, Dean. And uh, for listeners of the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. Our website is Stuff We Love Podcast.podbean.com. You can write to us, Stuff We Love Podcast at gmail.com. And you can uh, follow me on Twitter at ScottyBoy4. And um, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us those good five star reviews, which makes it easier for everyone to find the show. And with that, Gentlemen, it's great to be with you. Our first episode together in 2022. This has been amazing, as always. We appreciate talk- it. At least I appreciate it. I think Nick's asleep. But I and, I, and I, uh, if I, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, throw out an at Yo Pauly NJ and point out that absolutely he would have he would have once again marveled that you did all those shout outs and all those calls to social media without having a script. So kudos thank you. To you, thank you, at Yo Pauly NJ. Follow him. He's the other host of Butter and Bacon. And uh, couldn't be with us tonight, but uh, I know he'll be listening to this. 
And so, I probably uh, should mention at butter and bacon, by the way. Oh, right. That's your podcast. <laughs> that is your podcast, butter and bacon, the good stuff of Disney. I tell all our listeners, if you listen to stuff, we have a podcast and we know a lot of you do because our numbers are way up. Hop on over to butter and bacon, subscribe to them. They're phenomenal. Yeah, we have a couple in the can with you uh, recording with us, Scott. Indeed. So hopefully those will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Is, I can't I can't promise that because they've been in the can a while. But uh, yeah. at some point, they'll be coming out. Years well, from now, it'll be released on a bootleg. Yeah, I think a couple of them recorded over a year ago. <laughs> Nick, I, Nick uh, has some bacon bits that were recorded two and a half years ago that haven't hit this. 2018. I, I got distracted by a Variety article about um, Disney uh, sending Pixar movies to streaming. <laughs> when, good, while, he, while he was doing the plugs that's great though it's a good article <laughs> we'll talk about I it on said, the next episode okay all right no no, no you want you want to say anything about it now oh, i i saw someone i don't remember who it was someone on twitter said that they think the reason the pixar movies are easier to shuffle over is because um the pixar uh, animators or whatever the production company they aren't in a union but the disney animators the Disney studio animators are in a union. Mm-hmm. So you have to go through contracts to be able to move their the movies that they're making to streaming when they're designed for theatrical. Right. Where I guess it's an easier hurdle for Pixar because they're not. That's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, makes don't sense. Know. That makes sense. I didn't and get I guess into the, the weeds of the whole thing, but that was the basic premise. And what's the movie coming out on Disney Plus, the next Pixar movie? The, with the Turning Red. Turning Red, right. And that'll Which be March? Looks- March 11th. It looks really good. Yeah, it does. It does, but I, I'd still argue that if they got $40 million, uh out of putting Encanto in the theaters, it's not worth trying to put a movie in the theaters right now. They'll, they'll do similar numbers with that movie, and yeah. they, they may just not want to do the expense of the marketing and the, the theatrical engagement versus just using their own platform and getting the movie out on Disney+. Plus. I'll leave you guys with some food for thought. One of the things I heard Mark Cuban say in an interview not too long ago about the movie theater industry, he threw out the idea that Disney could buy the AMC movie theater chain. And the reason they would do that is they could put in place a deal, for example, where they would say, okay, we're going to have Turning Red be in theaters. And if you subscribe to Disney Plus, you'll get the ability to purchase a discounted ticket to see it in theaters as well as full price tickets to everyone else. That's something interesting. That could increase subscribership to Disney Plus, still generate revenue from people paying full price tickets. And I don't know. That's something interesting. I don't know. I I, I've heard that. I've heard that before from yeah. someone. And I even think the have... question is if movie theaters are a dining, dying business or not. Right. Yeah. Do they have like the Phantom event, Phantom events where they have like special showings mm-hmm. of stuff you know if disney owned their own theater chain they could have those where it's like you know this thursday cinderella you know or something like that or you know just do different and you get discounted tickets right to go see them on the big screen i mean they could do that i don't know if they'd want to because i don't do know so- mm-hmm. theaters are you know they have a razor thin margin as it is yeah, they could do something like, okay, we're going to have a special screening of Cinderella. And you could go if you're a D23 member and the perk is attendees will get a free poster or, you know, there'll be behind the scenes commentary that will be available exclusively in theaters or something like that. Some perk. It's an interesting concept. Um, Shakira. Anyhow. Shakira? 
Free Tierra with every ticket. Oh, but she said Shakira. I was like, what? Hey, that would be uh, Zootopia. She was uh, not in Cinderella. Are you sure? Pretty positive. <laughs> Underrated <laughs> singer, by the way. Shakira's fantastic. And with that, we love you, Shakira. And let's go around the table one more time. I am Scott. Dean. <laughs> Nick. And this is Stuff Bye. We Love Podcast. Bye, everyone. <laughs> She's curious a listener, you know. A one subscriber. <laughs>